Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, back in Better Than Ever. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. We are live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17 after just an extraordinary sports weekend. We opened with a ton of draft stuff, which was so much fun in Kansas City. I had the best time. And then I came home yesterday to an unreal day of basketball. And my good friend, Monica McNutt, good enough to hang out with me here. We had a great morning on Get Up today, and she's good enough to make her way back across the hall from First Take. And we'll dive headlong into all of it. And and for those across the country who don't know, Monica also does coverage of the Knicks, both for radio and for local television in New York at MSG. So we'll get to the Knicks. But but here's what I said about Steph Curry a a few minutes ago Mm -hmm. here, and I want to get your take. Steph Curry, to me has long been, look, he was a, a first ballot Hall of Famer years ago. That, that, that's not debatable. Mm-hmm. And once you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, then you are already, by definition, one of the greatest players of all time. But I always thought he was someone that was a little bit difficult to, um, to define because there was always a little bit of a carnival element to him. It was, it was a little bit of a, oh, come out and watch the little guy shoot from places you've never seen before. He can do things we've never seen before. I, I think that there was, in some ways, a little bit of a diminution of just how great, historically, he was. Which is to say that if we were to define this era, the three immortals of this era of basketball, okay. as LeBron, KD, and Steph, I think people would have looked at that way. They would have said, well, it's LeBron, and it's KD, and it's Steph. I think that would have been the way most basketball fans, maybe not someone like you who understands the game on a, on a deeper level than others, but I think most people would have viewed it that way. Steph was sort of this unbelievably popular incredibly watchable guy who was part of this great team and he could knock down these great shots. But that was sort of, I feel like that was how he was viewed in some places. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone, when they said, let's make a list of the 10 greatest players of all time, would have put Steph Curry on it. And I think based on what he did last year mm-hmm. and what he's doing right now and yesterday is a big day in that when you have the biggest game seven in the history of the sport, that means something. I think it is elevating his standing in that regard historically. I, I don't think it's overstating it to say that you look skeptical. No, no, I'm listening to you, Greeny, and I think this is where I applaud your ability to kind of put things into perspective, right? Because, and you're right, I take for granted sort of being a hoop head, so to speak, and so it had not registered to me that there was a conversation about Steph's individual greatness that separated him from what he has been able to accomplish with the Warriors in a ring culture era because he's got the rings, right? Right. And so now perhaps I understand folks might want to say, well, he had KD along his side, the argument about the finals MVP, so on and so forth. But it is very evident to me that it has always been Steph at the center of everything that the Warriors do. Now, to your point, the past two seasons, and we'll see what happens this season, I think this team looks poised to contend again, definitely solidify those who may have had questions. Now, to your one, two, three, I still think if you're going to parse hairs, there's a conversation about size with those three guys, LeBron, KD, and Steph. To me, Steph being 6'2", a little slight of build, having the incredible handle, it almost pushes his case forward a little bit in terms of what he's able to do with the skill set and the packages that he comes with. Um I'm not sure, and I love the question that you posed to us earlier on Get Up in terms of who could cement their legacy more, whether it's LeBron or Steph. To me, Steph looks refreshed. He looks energized. 
I think we skip over last year's sort of fortuitous bounce in that he missed a month before he went into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This year he didn't miss as much time, but he has had a little bit of time off going into the playoffs. There seems to be this new window opening, and like my first horrible take on television was this idea that the Warriors window was closing. I don't see that, and that is behind Steph. And so that is definitely another tier and another level of respect that you have to give him. Look, look. I didn't play the game. I don't know. I don't pretend to know the game like you do. But I, I mean, I go back to the mid seventies mm-hmm. uh, as a, my, my my first love was basketball. I can still smell what the garden smelled like when people smoked cigars when I was a little kid. My dad would take me to Nick games, and that's where I fell in love with the sport, and to some degree, fell in love with sports. I would never two years ago today have said to you, Steph Curry is one of the ten greatest players of all time. No, yeah. no way. Yeah. In fact, I was still one of those people. You want to talk about, well, what now looks like a bad take. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people who said, if you line up all the little guards, mm-hmm. that I would take Isaiah Thomas first. And, and it, I still would take him second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still up there. <laughs> but I can't take him first anymore. I mean, you'd have, you have to be insane. You would, have, you would have to be ignoring what we are seeing not to put so, Steph Curry and, and ahead of him. And this is the thing, though, too, Greeny, right? Like, I, for the longest time, just in basketball conversations with my friends, struggled to call Steph a point guard. Technically by position, and when you look at the five that the Warriors roll out, yes, that is his position. But I always thought of him as far more a scorer. And so whether you use what Jay Will and Jalen said this morning in terms of the title of playmaker, shot creator, or the hybrid guard that Kendrick Perkins brought up this morning on first take, to me, this era of positionless basketball does not only apply to bigs who can shoot from the three-point line. Mm -hmm. We are looking at the embodiment of that in guard form in many ways. Now, I have never seen Steph go and post up a guard at the NBA level. I doubt that there are very many guards that he could go and post up. However, nine people on the court have to move based on how he is moving. That, to me, is the quintessential nuance of someone that is positionless and shifts the entire layout. Like, to your point, KD, LeBron... In these playoffs, maybe Jokic probably. Like, there's only a handful of guys who nine guys are going to move based off of. And then that player themselves can then say, well, I'm about to create this. That's a great point. Monica's with us here, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Here's the other thing he did. You Teach me something. Help, help, help me learn a little bit ba- of basketball. We take for granted the threes that he makes mm-hmm. at this point. His ability to get to the rim yesterday, I don't think I've ever seen him do that before. Mm -hmm. Like the way he got to the rim, both sides, right and left, going left hand, some of the reverse stuff he did, the look away passes, in the trees, the finger rolls like George Gervin. Like that felt like a new wrinkle. There must have been something he discovered in the defense that enabled him to do that yesterday. But I've never seen him go to the hole as effectively as he did yesterday. I had never seen him do it at that volume, but I do think we've seen sprinkles of this ability. I think back to last year in Boston, right? Like game four is probably more memorable for the three-point shooting. But over the course of that series, whenever Boston overextended, he figured out a way to make them pay. And so he talked about it post-game, being prepared for the small ball lineup of the Kings. I, quite frankly... There's another level and a ton of work for DeMontis Sabonis to to do if he's going to be a catalyst for this team. You cannot not look at the basket. I understand you want to be a facilitator. Neither here nor there. He's off the floor. Steph understands the eagerness of a Davion Mitchell, who I thought was tremendous while guarding him, a Davis, a Keegan Murray, understands the power of his shot fake. The, The wrinkle in his ability to get to the rim to me is when you watch him begin to set up. If it's not off of a pump fake, which everybody's going to bite on because he's Steph Curry, he's sort of lulling you to sleep with his dribble. Maybe he snakes a screen. Or when you watch him finally get into those last two steps before the rim, there's a lot of the shoulder and the extension. 
So he's keeping defenders on that opposite shoulder, and he's really putting his arm out there. So unless you are a pure shot blocker, the likelihood that you're going to hit some part of his body and send him to the free throw line is real. And then you look at stuff like that, there's a level of touch to this, and the timing that timing is off. It's almost like what we've seen Jalen Brunson do this year for the Knicks. The timing is just a little bit off enough to keep defenders at bay. Speaking of which, let, let's get to the Knicks. Monic McNutt with us. Um, let's get to that series. I was watching it, and there was a very big uh-oh in my mind as a, as a lifelong fan of the Knicks, and then Jimmy Butler went down, and no one on planet Earth wants to see that. I mean, it, it doesn't make any difference who you're rooting for. You don't want to see great players being injured, but that looked like a bad mm-hmm. injury. The way that ankle rolled, um, it feels to me like that's the whole series because if Jimmy Butler can't be Jimmy Butler, in my view— the Heat, I know they're playing without Hero, and I know they're playing out without Oladipo. I know how good a coach Spo is. I get all of that. Jimmy Butler is the engine that makes that thing go. If he can't do it, I don't think they have any chance. Retweet. I would 100% agree. Uh, Gabe Vincent is sort of having... I don't even want to call it an out-of-body experience because he had quality games in last year's postseason run. I had a terrific game this regular season where he, I believe, dropped 30-plus and was terrific. Max Drews, Duncan Robinson has sort of been reinvigorated. There's life in him now. But Jimmy Butler is the catalyst. He is the machine, right? You take Jimmy Butler off the floor, hmm, let me think. Who can get to the rim and create their own shot literally on that roster? Kyle Lowry on a good day? Caleb Martin? No, no, no. Right? You know what I mean? Not like, Kyle Lowry. On a good day, perhaps maybe I get he's still it, got some of it. But if we're counting it. on that, we'd have all kinds of problems. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, Jimmy is at this point – Minus Tyler Hero, who also is known as a shooter, minus Victor Oladipo, he is surrounded by guys who can knock down shots. And that's what you saw in game one. Literally, I was talking with Russ Fisher, one of our ADs. The Knicks loaded to defend Jimmy's side, and the Heat sent everybody else the other way. So when Jimmy attacked and kicked the ball to the corner, it was two passes and a wide-open three that looked like a practice shot, right? So the Knicks have to do a better job of defending. If Jimmy's not available, well, that problem is solved. So I'm with you. It's Jimmy or bust. And, and so when I was watching on ABC yesterday, Jalen Rose immediately said, send Jimmy home. They got the split they need. Game two is tomorrow night here at the Garden. Game three is not till Saturday. Let him get all of that rest, sort of, for lack of a better word, punt on game two and put all your eggs in the get Jimmy healthy basket. You like that? Uh, Wally Zerbiak, another former NBA player that works with me at MSG, said the same thing he immediately. Okay, and yeah. so this is these are guys that have constitutional or institutional, excuse me, knowledge of how things work in the NBA. I hear that, but we've also watched Jimmy demonstrate time and time again he is built different. And so if there is an ability to play, he strikes me as the kind of guy that wants to put as many nails in the coffin as possible because counter to that, I don't think the Knicks shoot 20% from three again, but Julius Randle is just as big a piece in this series for the Knicks, almost as Jimmy, as Jimmy Butler's. I think Jimmy is probably one and Julius will be two mm-hmm. as far as the outcome of this series. So l- let's live in a world, because it's impossible to handicap otherwise, let's live in a world where Butler is able to play generally you know, 80 to 90% of his best. Who has the advantage in this series going forward? I still think it's the Knicks in terms of their overall depth. But my key going into the series, Greeny, quite frankly, is what we have identified as clutch time. When you look at the Milwaukee Bucks series, technically it wasn't clutch time because the leads were too great. But in the last five minutes of the ballgame, a good five from Jimmy Butler? Like if you just kind of flop around in the first half, but in the third quarter are able to find some rhythm and the ballgame's in striking distance with five minutes to go? I'm, I'm nervous about that. I'm very nervous about Mm -hmm. that. And so um, I think that the Knicks should win this series based off their depth. You've got two terrific coaches. I don't think that there's an out coaching advantage there. Um, I have questions about the Knicks versatility. But to me, 
Jimmy is really just willing this Miami Heat squad's victory. And it could be enough. I don't think it should be enough, but I would not be shocked. Yeah, and, and he's going to have to be healthy in order to have a chance to do it. And, and regardless of who I'm rooting for, I sincerely hope that he can play because that's just not the way you want to see this thing go. McNutt, you are officially the best. Will I see you tomorrow? Are you back tomorrow? Uh, Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. Excellent. We look forward to that. Monica McNutt with us here as regularly as we can get it. We'll take a quick <laughs> break. We're back in a moment on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com slash Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash Greenberg, code Greenberg, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply reggie white who's a defensive end for the green bay packers says that the fire bombing of his church in knoxville tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him first there was one fire then there was another then there was another it wasn't just reggie's church that burnt down hundreds of churches burned in the 90s i think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit and that has to do with racism was this 1996 or 1956 30 for 30 podcast and antscape presents through the flames listen now wherever you get your podcasts Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. My thanks to Monica McNutt. What a delight to have her in here and um, dive into all the basketball. It wasn't scheduled, but those are always the best. By the way, two best words in sports. Speaking of the best are Game 7, Rangers-Devils tonight, 8 Eastern on ESPN. I came in this morning, and there was something written in my Google Doc that says, Cam has something he'd like to clear up. And so I don't know what that is, so let's find out together. Cam, what is it you'd like to clear up? So, last Tuesday, uh, we played a very funny soundbite from the Michael K. Show discussing what kind of underwear you, Greeny, wear. <laughs> okay. Very funny. Yes. Uh, you started having a conversation about briefs. No men should ever wear briefs. Mm-hmm. No men look good in briefs. Mm-hmm. I pipe up and say, I wear briefs. My understanding was we were talking about Boxer briefs. I did not know we were talking about the original briefs. So, yeah, like tidy whities Right. 
I do not wear those. I would like to make clear, I wear boxer briefs, which is what I thought you were talking about when you said briefs. Yeah. So, so the age at which one should stop wearing what are traditionally known as tidy whities if one is a male and doesn't want to look ridiculous, is like nine. Which is when I stopped wearing them like and a- started wearing boxer briefs. older than that, we're, we're moving on here. And, and, and so, yeah, I got the boxer briefs. And, and then I got the compression shorts. It depends on, you know, if you're working out, you got the compression shorts. You know what? I've actually gotten myself a couple of pairs of now that I kind of like because there's a Peloton in my build. I, I'm kind of late to the Peloton game. I did a lot of soul cycle with my daughter. Bubba will remember. So my daughter got to an age, and I think many, many uh, parents, particularly I think dads, will know what I mean by this. My daughter got to an age, I don't know, when she was about 15, where literally anything she would do with me, I was in. Like anything she, anything that sounded okay to her to do with her father, I'm all in on. And so one of the things that we did together, our thing was Soul Cycle. She loves Soul Cycle, so I'd go with her. What the heck? It's a workout, and I have grown to really like it over the years. And so everyone has told me forever that I would like this Peloton, but for whatever reason, I've just not really done it. But now they got one in my building, and so I've been using the Peloton, and I like it a lot. But it's a little rough on the, uh, you know, on the old, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, can't wear briefs for that. No, so I got myself two pairs of like the cycling shorts that, that you put underneath shorts that got like, the, got, you got your little padding. You know what I mean? So I got my padding. So I'm seated on the padding. I don't know, I don't know what the word is. I would use the, what, what is the word for those? Do we even know? I don't know what they are. I said, Stace, order me these. And she did. And the next thing I knew, they came. So now I have them. And I use those when I ride on the Peloton or the Soul Cycle, And I like that a lot. So I've got those under. And one time I put them on by accident. <laughs> so one time they look a lot like the compression shorts. So one time I'm getting dressed. You know, I get dressed very early in the morning. I'm getting dressed in my house. You know, whatever it is, it's 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 four something in the morning and it's dark and whatever. So you're just kind of throwing things on. So one day in a state of delirium, I put a pair of those on and then I put my suit pants on over them and I went to, and I and I, and I spent the day that way. I got to tell you, it's not bad. <laughs> They're not bad. Like that's not a terrible. Try that sometime. Yeah, Bobby, have you ever tried that? Wear the cycling shorts as underwear. I did it by accident, but it really, it was kind of delightful. You think Bubba has cycling shorts? Well, I mean, you could get them. I I, I could get them. You could get them. I I, I haven't tried it, but I'm intrigued. Have you ever used a Peloton or anything? They're very popular now. No, I'm familiar with what they are, but uh, I just enjoy a nice walk outside. No, I enjoy a walk as well. Cam, have you ever ridden on the Peloton or done... Any kind of spinning class? Not really. I have a lot of friends who have no Peloton, no Soul Cycle. He for plays me. pickleball. I do play pickleball. Yeah. yeah. So 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 anyway, uh, you don't really need it for the pickleball, but the 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 cushiony pant. Uh, you know, under, I don't know what to call it. I, I'm 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 struggling to come up with a a word that doesn't make me feel squeamish just saying it. The cycling underwear, whatever that's actually called, um, to just wear it normally as regular underwear isn't bad. Okay, let's get to something else that happened here. You said you wanted to clear that. I've got something I need to clear up. And I'll mention quickly that when it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against a few obstacles, especially right now, which is why you need ZipRecruiter on your team. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. The Boston Bruins just had the greatest regular season in the history of the National Hockey League They set every record that one can set. 
And then if you were paying attention last night, and I've got the play-by-play actually here, uh, right? I have the play-by-play. Yeah, this is 560 WQAM in Florida as they got bounced in stunning fashion. Loose puck behind the net, loose to the side of the net, jamming away is Kachuk with Bennett along the near boards. Bennett finds it to the circle for Hagee. Shot top shelf, he scores! Carter for Hagee, top shelf, and the Panthers win in overtime! The Panthers stun the Bruins in Boston, and the Panthers are moving on to round two! Carter for Hagee, the Panthers have won in overtime! 4-3 the final! The Panthers take game seven, and they're moving on! As you can hear, the announcer is every bit as surprised as everybody else was by what happened last night. In overtime, the Bruins get knocked out game seven, round one, after setting an NHL record with 65 wins. And Bubba, do you know who some people are blaming for this? Um, I don't know. Is it you? Yes. Really? It's me. The jinx? You? This is your jinx again? The, this could be a new level of jinx. How How is this your fault? On the day that the Stanley Cup playoffs began, which was April 18th, I had the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, in the studio to do Get Up. And I brought up the Bruins having completed the best regular season of all time. And he throws the ultimate kibosh on them, and I co-signed it. This is an actual exchange between Gary Bettman and myself April 18th, the day the playoffs began from Get Up. Let's start right there with the Boston Bruins. For those who didn't follow it all year long, setting NHL records this year for most wins, most points, the best regular season of all time. What does something like that mean for the sport? It brings a lot of attention to the excitement, the passion, and the greatness that our teams and our players demonstrate night in and night out. Although there is a little bit of the jinx component, because teams that typically win the President's Trophy uh, don't always go on to win the Stanley Cup. And, and so now, you know what has happened, is if they should somehow manage to lose this series, everyone will blame us. They will blame, they will blame this conversation for that. No, not at all. I'm not superstitious, <laughs> and I assume you're not either. Well, so he assumed that one wrong. Uh, I am as superstitious as anybody in the world. I believe in the golf gods, the traffic gods, and all other gods. And in this case, the hockey gods looked down upon us and smote us. We were smote. Bubba, I believe that was a smiting. Do you believe that the, the, the people who are saying that that conversation is the reason that the Bruins got bounced in round one, do you put any credence whatsoever into that? Yeah, I think it's your fault. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any other reason. I mean, how else can you explain it? They had the best record. They were unbelievable. They lost twelve games all year, right? And they somehow managed to lose four in the playoffs in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's clearly your fault. Sorry, sorry, Boston, but Greeny blew this one. I, I think that's right. I, I I think that those who are suggesting that this one was on me because of my level of superstition, are actually justified in saying so. But in the meantime, it does bring up what I think is actually a larger and more interesting point that I'm going to dive into in a minute, and then I'm going to throw open the phone lines after that. So I'll tell you when. I don't want you sitting on hold forever. So I'll throw them open in a few minutes. I'll tell you when to call. But coming up next, I will tell you why what happened there is actually part of a much, much bigger story in sports, and I don't like it. That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? 
to vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. How'd it come? FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Earlier on Greeny. Someone from ESPN's social department sent me the following note. Hey, Greeny, I made a graphic from the Aaron Rodgers open of the show. If you want to collab on it, I can accept it from your page. To which all I can respond is, what does that mean? Collab is when you invite someone to share a post with you. What he Isn't wants. that what posting something is in the first place? I'm inviting everyone to share it? No, because in this case, it will be ESPN and you posting in conjunction. I just wrote back. I love it. How do I do that? Okay, well, that's a good start. This is Greeny. Well, we've had a lot of issues with technology here today, too. I, I think the reason that Bubba and Cam chose that Uh, to play back for us here is that um, I somehow managed to lose my Gmail account while I was away in Kansas City, (laughs) and we're struggling mightily to get it back here. I mean, it's it's taken two separate people from our IT department, and even so, we're still kind of only 80% of the way back. Was that the thinking behind choosing that? Yeah, happy your Gmail's back up and running after 90 minutes of uh, troubleshooting. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of troubleshooting going on here with my Gmail account. You would, I mean, that's I have leaped boldly into like 2011 with that, and so we'll see how that turns out. Anyway, let, let's get down to business. So we just talked about how the Bruins got knocked out after having the greatest regular season in the history of their sport, and... The fact that because Gary Bettman and I talked about it and got up and actually joked about how people would blame us if for the conversation we had if they wound up losing, and there are some people out there who are blaming me for this. What, what can I tell you? I am superstitious. I sort of do take the responsibility. More significantly, there's something about it that I don't like, and I'll tell you what it is. The historic regular seasons have generally not led to playoff success. This is actually the continuation of a trend. The most wins in a season in baseball history belong to the 2001 Seattle Mariners. They lost in the ALCS. The most wins in a regular season in NFL history belong to the 2007 Patriots. They lost in the Super Bowl. The most wins in a season in NBA history belong to the 2016 Warriors, 73 wins. And you're well aware they lost in the NBA Finals. And now in the NHL, the Bruins of this year, most points and wins in a season in NHL history, and they lose in the first round. Here's what I don't like about it. The diminution of the significance of the regular season in all sports, in my opinion, is a terrible trend. Terrible. And I don't know what to do about it. Because I can't sit here and make a fight with you that this season is not a failure. I mean, everyone is going to call it a failure, right? Now, Brandon, is, is anyone not going to call this a failure? Is anyone, Bubba, is anyone going to look at the season that the Boston Bruins just had and not say it was a failure. They, they won more games and accumulated more points, not only in winning the President's Trophy, but in actually 
putting together the best regular season in the in the history of the sport, which goes back over a hundred years, is anyone not going to say their season was a failure? Um, probably Giannis. All right, so so look, Giannis. I really enjoyed his quote the other day, and I love that kid. Giannis is one of my absolute favorite superstars in the NBA. But he's not right. I mean, his job, he cannot feel... He, let me rephrase, not right. He is certainly welcome to not feel as though it was a failure. But his job is to be an all-time great basketball player, and my job is to put it into perspective. That's what I do for a living, for better or for worse. My job is to try and put some perspective around all these things, to apply some context. And the reality is... That when you go into the NBA playoffs as the one seed coming off the season they've had with the best record in the NBA and you lose game seven at home. No, they didn't even. I'm sorry. They lost in five on their home floor. That is a failure. I'm sorry. It just is. You may not like the word. We live in a society now where we've become very afraid sometimes to call things what they actually are. That's a failure. It doesn't make him a failure. He isn't one. These are enormously successful, wonderful people, but their season is a colossal disappointment. How else can it be characterized? As a a success? In what way is it successful? No one would trade it for the season that is going to wind up at the finish. The further you advance, the more successful your season is, by definition. So you could say it was a, the worst team in the NBA, whoever finished with the worst record, who was it, San Antonio, whoever had the worst record, that season is a failure. Although in their case, they were trying to do that, so that's probably not the right perspective on it either. But it is a failure. That, there's, no, there's no doubt of that. When the New England Patriots make it to the Super Bowl and lose the Super Bowl on basically one crazy play at the end, you want to have an argument that that's not a failure? I'll do that with you. I'll argue that's not a failure. I will argue that the Buffalo Bills making four consecutive Super Bowls and not losing one is an extraordinarily positive achievement, not a failure. But you cannot argue that the team with the best record in the NBA or the NHL getting knocked out in the first round is not a failure. You can't do it. So for the Bruins, it is a failure. It doesn't make them failures as human beings. It doesn't mean they should be ashamed of themselves or anything else. They tried as hard as they could. It just didn't go their way. But the season's a failure. That's Of that, there is no doubt in my mind. Bubba and Cam, do either of you disagree? I don't disagree. I think the word you described, disappointment, is probably what they would call it because with failure, I'm not saying that they're right. They might, you know, attribute it to, oh, this season was a waste, which it obviously wasn't. They, you know, like Giannis said, they grew from it. But at the end of the day, their goal was to win a championship. They were the one seed. It was a failure. Something can be a failure and still not be a waste. Like, like, like I was, you know, I, I scroll around on the, um, let's go back to our technology for a moment here. I scroll around on the Instagram there, right? And so Instagram, those reels, that's where people my age see TikTok, okay? So what happens is TikTok is out there and everyone is watching TikTok and I don't have TikTok. And those same videos wind up on Instagram reels like two weeks later. So that's what I see. And the, um, 
algorithm of it is so ingenious that it figures out it knows better than I do what I want to watch. So I find myself watching old George Carlin videos all the time. You guys know the comedian George Carlin, right? George Carlin, whom I loved, always loved. Um, but I love him even more now because he was so far ahead of his time on things. He was saying things. The man's been dead almost 20 years. He was saying things in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s that are 100% more true today than they were then. But anyway, the point I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I just watched one, I think this was on my flight home, in which he was talking about how we never tell, this is then, this is then that he was saying this. Whatever year it was that this comedy special was filmed, he was saying, why doesn't anyone ever tell a child they lost anymore? We're afraid to tell a kid they lost He said, this is George Carlin talking, I overheard someone telling a child who finished last, you were the last winner. And he said, as a consequence, that kid never figures out what it is like to lose until he walks into his boss's office one day when he's in his 20s and gets fired, and he has no way of understanding how he's supposed to feel. Because you're supposed to experience those things when you're a little kid. Just once in your life, it's okay to lose. It's the reason that when you're playing Candyland against your children when they're three, you shouldn't just let them win all the time. They shouldn't be given the mis- the absolute misapprehension that life is filled with nothing but winning. And so as a consequence, what you've just done is draw a line between two things that are the same thing. An enormous disappointment and a failure are not different from each other. That's the same thing. You can be enormously disappointed because you failed. It's okay to say you failed. It doesn't make you a failure. You can try something and you can fail. If you, I don't, I'm trying to think of an example for it. If, if I tried, I did this one time. I did, um, Bubba, do you remember when I did the, the mini triathlon? They call it a sprint triathlon. Two of my friends and I, we trained and we did a, a, a triathlon, but each event is really short, like, a, mm-hmm. like an Ironman triathlon or something I couldn't do if my life depended on it. But the sprint triathlon was, I forget what the exact distances was, but we, we had to do like a quarter of a mile swim in, in, like in, the, in the Long Island Sound, like in, in, not in a pool, but in whatever you call that, open water, followed by, I think the bike ride was 15 miles, and then the run was a 5K. It was something like that. So all very manageable things. And you don't generally do that to see if you can finish. You do it for a time. Um, it's, it's, unless you get injured doing it, if, if if you're going to finish those things, if, if you're a person in, uh, in good health. And so my goal was to do it all in an hour and I didn't make it. Like I, I remember like trying as hard as I could on the run, which was the last part, but the swim wound up being a lot harder than I was expecting. There was, it was a windy day. And so the current was against us. The direction that we were swimming was, was harder. And the swim wound up taking a lot longer than I planned, whatever. I did it like in an hour and three minutes or something like that. Did I feel like a failure? No. I'm not a failure for not having completed it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I tried it. But did I fail in that, in, in, my, in my goal? Yes, I failed. <laughs> that was a failure. My goal was to do it in an hour, and I didn't. It's okay to say that. We have somehow convinced ourselves that by using the word failure, you're suggesting to someone that they are a failure. Giannis Anadokounmpo is exactly the opposite of a failure. <laughs> 
He is 180 degrees away from being a failure. If this was, if I use golf analogies all the time. He has eagled the whole of life. He is an all-time great player with a motor I absolutely love. He's got, he seems to have a terrific head on his shoulders. His videos are incredibly funny. He's got, he's got his whole act together. I absolutely love everything about him. He is as far away from being a failure as a human being can possibly be. And that does not change the fact that their season was a failure. Again, he doesn't have to feel that way. But in my opinion, it is the only reasonable way to describe it. But to go all the way back to the beginning of my point here, Baba and Cam, what I don't like is anything that continues to further the narrative that the regular season doesn't matter. The worst thing that ever happened when the, when the Warriors went 73-9 and and wound up losing Game 7 of the NBA Finals was that there were people who said, well, you know, if they hadn't pushed it so hard in the regular season, maybe they would have won the championship. Overlooking overwhelmingly the most important part, which is they would have won the championship if Draymond Green didn't get suspended for kicking a guy in the ding-ding. But that's neither here nor there. People look at it and they say, see, it's more important to get your rest in the regular season. Don't kill yourself to try and have the best record. Don't push it as hard as you can in the regular season. Because it is my opinion, and I don't consider myself the hockey analyst the way someone like Steve Levy or Wachusen or one of those guys know the sport intimately. But are you going to tell me that the reason the Bruins lost a 3-1 lead in this series and wound up losing Game 7 in overtime is because they pushed it hard during the regular season and finished with the best record of all time? I sincerely hope the reason was not that. Those are just unlucky. You want teams to go for it in the regular season. You want them to, to try. The, 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 the Warriors season that year was not a failure. They lost in the last 30 seconds of Game 7 of the NBA Finals. That's a far cry from losing in five in the first round. But the problem is that that this is going to further this narrative that trying hard in the regular season is somehow connected to postseason failure and disappointment. And Bubba, that's what worries me about it more than anything else. Yeah, well, for, first things, the George Carlin uh, album is, it was from his – Last stand-up special on HBO in 2008. Okay. So found that. So 2008. So 15 – he said that 15 years ago. I don't know when we came up with the term participation trophy that people like to use now, but he was saying it differently before that even was a thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went through this even in last October with the Mets. Uh, they faced the Padres in the wild card. The Mets were the favorite. The Mets won 101 games, had this unbelievable season. Padres won 89 Padres came in into City Field and won the series because they were the better team. They they were they were hot in October, and that was the question. We we you asked me the question in October right after it happened. Was the Mets season a failure? And and honestly, at the time, I said no because of the previous seasons, how they had struggled. This is the first year back in the playoffs, all the different things. But at the time, I mean, it was such a disappointment. I was at the game and it was so bad and. 
It, it, it was tough because, yeah, they had such a great regular season, but then they were just brutal in the playoffs. All right, I got to finish up with this word from ZipRecruiter. What if a quarterback completed four out of five of his passes or a point guard hit four out of five from behind the arc? Well, now when you're hiring, you can play at that level because four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter's matching technology identifies people with the right skills and experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash greenie. At ziprecruiter.com slash greenie. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. I'm sorry we didn't get uh, time to get the calls in there, but that was something that I thought was important to point out. This was a fun day. It's good to be back. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greenie the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.